It's your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back again for another day on the show. We got plenty of good stuff coming up. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild, of course, for the Star Tribune. will join me here in just a little bit to talk about that team, about their current road trip, about trying to overcome that 0-3 start where they gave up 20 goals. It's been a little bit better the last two games, a win and an overtime loss. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury playing better in that span. He will play again tonight against Montreal. Um, so they're hoping to keep that good, kind of good feeling going from what they've had uh, what they've had a little bit more in the last couple games as opposed to those first three. So Sarah and I will talk through some of that as well as some positives from the start of the year as well. Um, no Vikings film review this week, of course, because they did not play this week, but we will do uh, my least favorite team is my favorite team with a little bit of a twist for Green Bay Packers based haikus uh, with myself and my good friend Keith Rashad. We'll have that here in a little bit as well. First, though, what did I miss? Um, so I was trying to watch the Wolves game last night, and I was getting an error message on my Bally Sports app saying I did I wasn't entitled to the program. I love that word entitled, by the way. Uh, something was going wrong with it. A lot of other people expressed something similar uh, when I mentioned it on social media. I might do more on that at some point here, some of the uh, the ups and downs of trying to watch with the Bally Sports app now that it's available for standalone purchase. But eventually it did work for me about 10 minutes into the game, and I kind of wish it hadn't. kind of wish I hadn't been able to watch any of that game. I'm sure a lot of you are in the same boat. Wolves lose by nine at home to the Spurs, who are ostensibly tanking this year, although they look okay so far. I think they're three and one right now. Um, the final score did not reflect the final box score. The final final score did not reflect anything near the level of chaos, disappointment, butt kicking that that game was. Spurs were up by like 35 points. At one point late in the third quarter, I believe, before the Wolves, you know, mounted a furious but ultimately fruitless garbage time rally to make the score look at least a little bit better. But anybody who was there, anybody who watched it on TV knows how bad that effort was, knows how bad they looked in that game, and knows how they deservedly got booed off the court multiple times. You know, first half, second half, the boos we're out. This is a level of expectation that this team is not used to, is not maybe ready for right now, um, and the effort was not there in a lot of cases on Monday night. They were not getting back in transition. I think they gave up 24 transition bat, 24 transition points, fast break points, all of those in the first three quarters. Um, just getting out hustled. You know, Chris Finch, head coach, Seemed a little exasperated with everything he saw after the game. Let's run a quote from him quick here, a little post-game from Chris Finch. They just out-punked us in every way possible. You know, outran us, out-competed us, out-physicaled us. Uh, it was, you know, it was ugly and unacceptable. And, you know, we knew <clears throat> that they were, they're, they're a hard-playing team, and this is two hard-playing teams that have come in here and played the game the right way and made more efforts than us. Um you know, those aren't things that, uh, you know, we, we certainly uh, can tolerate. But, uh, you know, we got to figure out why. And, um, you know, 
a lot of it is our connectivity right now has got to be better, you know, both ends of the floor. You know, now we expected there to be some transition, right, with Rudy Gobert coming here, just new lineup, Carl Anthony Towns having to learn to play more at the power forward. you got a lot of different people who can score. you got a lot of different people who, you know, in a conventional offense or, you know, the way things flowed last year, maybe roles were defined a little bit more clearly. Now everybody's kind of maybe deferring too much or trying to figure out where they fit in. Four games in, two and two, too early to panic, although the two wins were against Oklahoma City. So let's take that with a grain of salt. It's going to get tougher here schedule-wise at some point. Um, still relatively easy. Another chance to play San Antonio here at Target Center on Wednesday and then the bumbling Lakers on Friday. So we'll see if they are able to piece this together a little bit more soon but right now um like i said no panic but it doesn't look good it doesn't the effort is something that you can control the effort is not something that's dependent on chemistry the effort's just de- effort's just de- determined by leadership it's de- it's dependent on who you are as a person who you are as a team and that effort was not there um in that game on on monday and that was the, probably the biggest disappointment to anybody who watched and probably especially to Chris Finch and probably to the players themselves. They they know they deserve to get to get booed. Anthony Edwards said as much after the game, even if he said he never wants to experience that again. Uh, there's one way to do that: play better, compete harder, and figure this out. Because right now, um, again, two and two, not panic time. This team started, I think, four and nine, four and ten last season before turning things around. Um, but they got to get better quick uh, if if they really want to host a playoff series. You can't be giving away early games these games count just as much as the ones any other point in the season you can't be giving away games on effort and trying to coast to a victory on talent alone so i don't know if it doesn't get better soon i might think about like lineup tweaks things like that right now i think they just need to figure out how these pieces fit together and how they can get more effort out of these guys and those are two pretty basic questions um, and we'll see how fast those things can get figured out take a playcation to mystic lake with 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, Wild beat writer Sarah McClellan checking in from Montreal, where the Wild plays the Canadians on Tuesday night. Um, interesting, Sarah, start to this season since we last talked. I think interesting is the Minnesota polite term that we like to say when things are not great. We say, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what uh, Five games, only one victory, maybe a little bit better lately. And I think that starts with the improved play from goalie Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, it was certainly the first three games where they lost at home, not entirely the goaltending's fault, but when you give up 20 in three games, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around. Now, how do you, how do you feel like this start kind of hit them, hit, hit the, hit the members of the organization in terms of expectations versus what played out uh, in these, even over the course of these first five games. It's a different season. And, you know, 
even though there wasn't a ton of roster turnover, it, it still is a different team. And it certainly looks like one that's kind of trying to find its groove early in the season. And, you know, you can point to, you know, the exits of Cam Talbot and Kevin Fiala. And even though those are only two players, those were players that obviously were in key positions with Talbot really being this team's starting goaltender for most of last season and Kevin Fiala being this team's second best scorer. Um, you know, so it is still a different lineup than, you know, the one that the wild had so much success with last season. And then to add in, you know, some key absences early to start the season, not having Jordan Greenway, not having John Merrill, those are two fixtures when they're, you know, healthy and able uh, that their mainstays in the lineup. So, um, you know, it was a start that obviously, you know, put the spotlight on their own end, they're defending and not just in their own end, but I mean, it's the posture all over the ice. Uh, what happens when, you know, the other team has the puck and is in transition and is moving into, you know, their offensive zone, the Wilds defensive zone, um, you know, and I think still until that's, you know, an area that's cleaned up, that will probably continue to, you know, haunt this team, be a factor uh, because when they don't have the puck and they're defending, the more time they're in, you know, that zone and having that pressure uh, you know, you see, you see what that can culminate in and it's the goals against um, just the time and energy spent defending. It's less time playing with the puck and playing at the other end of the ice and trying to score. So even though there have been, you know, three goals a game, four goals a game, it still hasn't been enough when the workload in their own end has just been so taxing. So I think that's maybe now where the focus shifts to see if they can remedy that they can start to play more offense if they can alleviate the burden on their own end, especially now, like you said, they're getting more stops and saves from Marc-Andre Fleury, especially at timely points in the game. You look at that third period against Boston, um, how he kind of really helped backstop them to that point. Um, so if that kind of steadies, can they though find enough puck possession to, start to play more offense. And like I said, maybe alleviate some of that pressure and attention on their own end. Well, that's interesting. Cause it seems like the, you know, the natural instinct from, you know, some coaches might be, Hey, we're giving up all these goals. Um, we got to tighten up on defense. And I'm sure there's a focus on that too, but what you're saying is also some of their emphasis, like they, they need to play more offense. They're not playing defense all the time so they can kind of take some of that pressure off. And I guess that's probably where the, the absence of someone like a Fiala and now Jordan Greenway, who came back for a little bit, but was then re-injured. How you know that that line is such a solid two-way line. You can transition from defense to offense pretty quickly. That's where you start to feel those absences pretty quickly, I'd imagine. Yeah, you know, it, it it's really simple. You know, kind of goes back to that saying, like the best defense is offense, you know. And right. so when the attention isn't there and they're just not under pressure. You know, it'll be interesting to see if that can clean up that problem because there are breakdowns that are happening. There are lapses, you know, even just most recently looking at that Boston game, the open lanes, um, you know, a player getting to a puck around a sea of wild players. Like there are breakdowns that are happening. Um, but, you know, can those be cleaned up and or can't, you know, are those a byproduct of the strain of, being under so much pressure to defend. And if the wild is defending less, does that, you know, make them more effective? 
Uh, I think that's partly maybe what's at play and what could correct some of these issues. But still, having said that, there needs to be that protection of the puck, uh, boxing players out, getting on the right side to defend and, you know, have that layer of defense between the puck, the offense, and obviously the goaltender. So, you know, that's probably a combination of all those factors, but it's, it's clear that this is a team that in order to have success has to, you know, alleviate some of that attention and focus in front of their own net and, you know, is more offensive pressure going to help with that. We see the lines continue to be juggled and new combinations to be tested. Obviously, like you said, losing, you know, a Jordan Greenway again to injury, um, you know, kind of opens, you know, the pathway to experiment. But I think also the shakeup is indicative of a team that's still trying to find, you know, a mix and a group that works. And again, it goes back to the fact that even though these are a lot of the same players from last season, this isn't the same team. And, you know, the Ryan Hartman, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello trio was so steady last season for the wild. And it's now, you know, a group that's been broken up. And now it looks like Freddie Goudreau is going to be the latest to, uh, to play, you know, with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. So it's a team that's obviously searching for answers. And I think, you know, those, you know, new combinations and and switching defensive partners are very much indicative of a team that's trying to find some type of consistency, not only up front with their forward lines, but on the back end with the defense as well. You wrote about um, Marc-Andre Fleury for Tuesday's newspaper and on startribune.com in advance of this Montreal game. I believe he'll he'll move into what, sixth all time in in games played uh, among goalies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Now he obviously didn't have the start to the year he wanted to. He gets pulled from, what, the second game of the year, and then Gustafson gets the start in the third game. But he's steadied himself a little bit. I would say only three regulation goals in each of the last two starts and you know playing quite well against Boston and having some big saves in the third period and overtime um, in, in that win um, at Exxon Center against Vancouver before they left town. Um, now that's it. How do they feel about where he's at and, and how does he feel right now? Kind of, you know, as, as those games mount and they're, they're counting on him uh, to be the guy this year, more or less. He said he's felt more comfortable. And I think too, you know, he's someone who said when he's enjoying himself, having fun, he's more relaxed. He feels that translates to his play. And that was probably, you know, could have been said for the whole wild team when you're pushing for that first win and, you know, their struggles and they just keep mounting. I'm sure it probably feels like it snowballs. And so to get that first win out of the way last week against Vancouver, um, a big sigh of relief, obviously. And, and it's been reflected, I think, in Flurry's play, you know, not only starting with that victory, but into Boston, you know, there were so many chances that the Bruins had, especially odd man rushes to really put that game out of reach and Flurry came up with those timely saves and, you know, especially being shorthanded, uh, you know, late in that third period to help them into overtime. Obviously it was a power play goal against, you know, in the waning seconds that sealed the overtime victory for Boston, but he looked more like himself in making those saves that a team needs um, in pressure packed moments. And so, um, you know, we'll see if that's something that he can build off of, uh, against the Canadians, he's scheduled to get that start on Tuesday night. So, 
that's key too. I think just, you know, like I said, the timeliness of it, getting saves at, in, you know, at opportune times that kind of can keep momentum in check and not let a team run away on the wild. Clearly they're Like I said, they're going to need better defending all over the ice, but if, if flurry can kind of set that tone in the crease, um, you know, I think that can only help the play in front of him, you know, for the whole team. couple more thoughts for you, Sarah. One, um, Marco Rossi and one of those players who's kind of experiment been part of the experimenting and the shuffling around in the lineup started on the believe the fourth line it was a healthy scratch after not playing much in the second game then elevated um, into that top nine role where do you think he kind of settles in and, and how is how is he progressing in their eyes well I think right now the interesting you know point to monitor is if he can can continue to show chemistry with Matt Boldy that's a tandem that you know looks like will stay intact. Uh, for now, Marcus Foligno has joined their line after Goudreau had played with them previously. Um, so I, I think there were flashes of that against the Bruins where it looked like Rossi and Boldy were able to find each other with their passing and playmaking around the net. Um, you know, we'll see if it leads to execution. Uh, but I think just that opportunity to get more offensive zone time, that is clearly a line that, you know, has the potential and ability to score. Boldy has had a really strong start to the season. He's been around the puck. He's been opportunistic, especially on the power play. They're on different units, you know, so far on the power play. But if that can trickle over to five on five, it'll be interesting to see if that's another duo that emerges And this is clearly an opportunity for Rossi to show that. Like you mentioned, he started lower in the lineup. He was bounced from the lineup for one game to get back in and get this chance to play with Boldy. I think that was maybe a combination that you could kind of see maybe, you know, they'll pair up at some point. Um, You know, that's obviously a spot in the lineup that clearly looks like it would suit Boldy's strengths coming in as this offensive playmaker. So, you know, more time together, you would expect they would be able to find that connection and, and click and deliver. Um, but we'll see if it happens. Clearly, this is a big road trip for the team. So this is an opportunity if, if they stay together to, you know, like I said, build on that chemistry and help, you know, as we've talked about, maybe provide some relief for the defensive end and, and have the puck more in front of the opposition's net. Final thing for you, the, the power play has actually been um, one of the bright spots for the team this year, kind of a, a reversal from last year where the five on five play was was so much better. I mean, they must feel pretty good about that. I'm sure they wish it would translate into more wins so far. What, what, what about that has been clicking for them and can they carry that over to five on five in some cases? You're right. It's kind of been a reversal where five on five is obviously given them trouble, but the power play has, has, you know, been a successful part of their game so far. I think some of the personnel changes have obviously helped. You see Kalen Addison uh, working the point and, and being obviously a lightning rod for offense. He's been involved in a handful of goals so far, but I think too, um, that's led to some more unpredictability and more movement. And I think that's how defenses in today's NHL, that's how you have to frazzle them is, is you can't be predictable. You can't be stagnant. I think the puck movement and, you know, simply skaters moving around, that's how you get these defenses moving and get them out of their structure. So I think we're seeing a little bit more of that 
And that's obviously helped the team, you know, find a group with this. But like you said, it hasn't necessarily translated to overall results, but to see improvement in an area that obviously was a major struggle last season um, is, is a positive so far for the team. If it can, can, you know, help the team in, you know, more critical situations moving forward, like the third period Saturday in Boston, they had multiple chances, a couple five on threes, there's still room to grow. But the fact that that isn't the most negative part of their game, you know, so far, at least points to some progress from last season. It does. It feels like a pretty important road trip they're on right now. I mean, you, you don't say season's over or season saved based on a few outcomes. But when you start 0-3 and you lose those first three at home, you put yourself in a spot where you've got some ground to make up right away. So we'll see what they are able to achieve on this road trip. Sarah McClellan will have it covered in the Star Tribune and on startribune.com. Sarah, appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Take care. One postscript to my conversation with Sarah McClellan. I had asked listeners for questions. I maybe didn't uh, I didn't incorporate those in the best way, but my good friend Chickenfinger69 had asked, do you know how many forwards in the league average more minutes per game than Fred Gaudreau but do not have a point? Only one, Ryan O'Reilly, but he's only played in three games. Anyway, I hope you have a great day. I love you. Um, he originally pointed out in a different tweet, too, that Gaudreau has averaged 17 minutes a game, including premium minutes on the power play, overtime, three-on-three, and we all have the same number of points as he does. Zero. Um, I replied to him, I don't know if this is going to make you feel better, but he's now skating on the top line, it sounds like, with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. We'll see how that goes. I sure hope Freddie Gaudreau gets at least a point in tonight's game to help my good friend Chickenfinger69 not be so angry. But he does make a good point. Um, does Gaudreau deserve those minutes? I don't know. I don't know that he does. I think maybe he's just a placeholder until they really feel confident that Marco Rossi can do that or until Ryan Hartman rediscovers the chemistry with those guys. But that was such a good line last year, the hartman kaprizov Zuccarello line. You'd like to see that reunited. Or maybe Rossi jumps in there. But I don't know about Gaudreau. We'll see. He'll get his chance on Tuesday, much to the chagrin of Chicken Fingers 69. It's Tuesday on Daily Delivery, and usually... We bring you um, some Vikings haikus, some Vikus um, on Tuesdays, but the Vikings don't play this week. Thought maybe this week um, would take the segment off, but then um, on Sunday, the Packers lost, which is almost as good as the Vikings playing, maybe even better to some. And so maybe um, maybe we'll entertain you with some Packus instead um, with my good friend Keith Rashad, who has four of them, I believe. Is that correct, sir? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, it, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Vaiku, but um, Paku will work. Paku works. Um, okay, let's let's get, let's hear the first one. Devonte Adams, you knew what you were doing. I hate the Packers. <laughs> Is this going to be a theme again? Um, I remember when the Vikings beat the Packers in Week One. All of the Vaikus ended with "I hate the Packers." I sense a theme, but you hit on a big um, a big thing, and I wanted to get to that because I think it's interesting. That you know, Packers lost again. Obviously, they're three and four, not necessarily losing to the best of teams, um, including the uh, including the the Washington Commanders in this game. And I, I remember after this game, Brett Favre kind of urging people, saying, "I'm not worried." Stuff like that. Aaron um, Rodgers. What's that? Was Brett Favre? Um, did I say Brett Favre? People? Did I say Brett Favre? You did. You oh, did. I meant Aaron Rodgers. Thirty. 30 years of Packers quarterbacking has, uh, has got me, uh, got me a little bit confused sometimes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Favre had been urging people to calm down. It's like, yeah. look, 
look, look, I don't know where this money for the volleyball <laughs> facility came from. Everybody just calm down. Exactly. Just relax. Exactly. Uh, but what I was going to say is Aaron Rodgers urging everybody to calm down, kind of comparing this, some people comparing this maybe to 2016 when, you know, the, the Vikings got out to a big division lead and then the Packers stormed back, won their last six. Eric Aaron Rodgers did his famous relax. Um, what I would say about that year, though, is you had Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams combining for 26 touchdown catches, 172 receptions, 2250 yards like he had you know, he had Randall Cobb in the slot you still kind of do although he's hurt like the point being um those guys aren't walking through the door this, this year Jordan Nelson's long retired Devonta Adams with um with the Raiders like you note so I I don't it's certainly possible that Aaron Rodgers rallies this team um it just doesn't look the same as some of the teams that they've been able to rescue themselves with in the past well it Devonte Adams is clearly a very good player, yeah. right? and and Rogers is not has not fallen so far off the cliff that he can't make plays. He I got to watch the last seven minutes of that game or so because they switched over. Because uh, where I live, we are burdened with Carolina Panthers football, which is not good. But anyway, he made some throws that were really nice, and and some that should have been caught and weren't. Right. Uh, and as much as he complains and whines, and we'll get to a, a, a haiku, a paku about that soon yes. enough, uh, he does not have that same level of talent around him, and it's starting to show, and he doesn't seem to be handling it very well. No. Um, you read his lips a couple times in the when they were struggling in the second half. So what are we doing? And it's a fair question because it's uh, hard to tell exactly what they were trying to accomplish on Offense. Okay, Paku too. The Vikings still won, even though it's the bye week. I hate the Packers. Yeah, I mean, so now they're two and a half games ahead of the Packers. They've already won one head-to-head matchup. And again, it's a long season. They have 11 games left. Um, still some tough games on the schedule. But, I mean, every time, every, every time the Packers lose unexpectedly, and I'd characterize all three of these losses that they've had in the last three weeks to be unexpected. Even if the jets and giants have good records right now, the Packers were more than a touchdown favorite. I think in both of those games, now I see they are, I think 11 point underdogs going into Buffalo next week. Um, so yeah, it's uh, the division certainly looks very inviting at this moment. Well, you and I have been, Vikings fans long enough to see collapses like this on more than one occasion. So we know what can happen. Yes. However, over the course of of the last couple of weeks, we have, at least I have adopted the mantra here for a good time, not for a long time. Right. I am not worried. I recognize what could happen. I recognize what is perhaps even likely to happen when it comes to Minnesota sports. I don't care. There, at this moment, it looks like the division is being handed to this team on a silver platter. Yes. And I did not expect this before the season started. Absolutely I not. Thought th- I thought this team was going to struggle. I thought it would even be in their best interests to really struggle and hit the reset button. Now, in the long run, it may cost the team. We may not see the changes that seem like they were absolutely necessary before the season started. But as of this moment, 
I don't care. Yeah. This team is going to win the division unless something uh, typical happens. <laughs> something crazy, which has very often happened. Happens. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to, you just got to enjoy this. This Ride is beautiful. This looks like more, maybe because of default, but it looks like a division winning team and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Paku three, please. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Everyone is against you. It might be your fault. It, that, that, didn't, that didn't end with I hate the Packers. It was a curveball. Um, yeah, he's, he's not having a good year. I'm just going to pull up as we talk the uh, ESPN total QBR, but I don't think he's doing pretty well in, the, in that category um, this season when usually he's, you know, top five, at least top 10 at the worst, um, you know, and they, the end of the Mike McCarthy era, there was, you know, some, some years where maybe he didn't have his best seasons, but uh, now right now in the total QBR, he is 26th among quarterbacks right now, 26th Kirk cousins by comparison is 17th, not great, but middle of the pack, certainly ahead of Aaron Rodgers. This quarter, this division is not blessed with a lot of quarterbacks playing at extremely high levels right now. Justin Fields is 31st in that category. Jared Goff actually the best at 15th in the NFC North, but can't really do much with that team. So if you look at quarterback play, which has been decidedly in Green Bay's favor for most of the last three decades, he's whether it's him, whether it's who he has to throw to, whether it's a a failure of imagination of the scheme to account for some of these shortcomings, whether they should be running the ball more, maybe whether it's the offensive line. Again, to your point, don't care. It's happening. I can't even tell you how much time I have spent in the Kirk Cousins era listening to and conversing with other people about whether or not Kirk Cousins has the leadership qualities to take this team to the next level. And just constant talk about whether or not Kirk Cousins is enough of a leader. Yeah. And it is just beautiful in this moment to have that conversation about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Right. A man with that level of talent who has had that level of talent around him over the last dozen years, only winning one Super Bowl, right? And does not look like somebody who cares to invest in the the development of the rest of his teammates. This guy might just be a really terrible leader and doesn't seem to be a particularly uh, likable human being at this point, if he ever was, right? There's yeah. a point in time when, when he was still kind of new and fresh and exciting and, and seemed like, in some respects, the anti-Brett Favre. Sure. And was maybe um, look like what, what that particular team needed. But maybe... The fact that this team that should have had more success over the years hasn't had that success can be directly attributable to the same types of leadership qualities or issues, or it's similar, not identical, but similar leadership issues that we've been talking about with Kirk Cousins for four and a half years. Sure could be. All right, last one. I hate the Packers. I cannot stress this enough. I hate the Packers. There you go. So you had, you didn't have one in the last pack who, but you had two in this one. So it kind of makes up for it. I appreciate that. And you know, you can't stress that enough. You do hate the Packers. And as much as you hate the Packers, you love to watch them lose um, even more. 
Well, as we've talked about, the purpose of a haiku is to capture a thought or feeling or an emotion in a single moment. Yeah. And I recognize I've used this particular vaiku before, but when when a poem so perfectly captures a single moment or thought or emotion, I think it's worth going back to the well once again. Yeah. And we can say without a shadow of a doubt that you, sir, paid the Packers. Oh, yeah. Let's finish with the cooler. The Packers we just talked about are now tied in the NFC North with the Bears who beat the uh, the Patriots on uh, on Monday Night Football. Now, the, uh, there was a pretty good rally by the Bears. And it, was, it struck me as funny because I wasn't listening to the audio, but I was kind of checking in on the game here and there. And everywhere I saw, it, it kept cutting to the sideline and, and shots of Bailey Zappi, the, the, quarterback, for, uh, the quarterback for the Patriots. And... It was like they were anointing him, the, the new superstar. There's at least like eight or ten sideline cutaways after he led them to a couple touchdown drives in the second half, and there was all this momentum in New England. It kind of looked like he was going to be, you know, kind of be this guy, almost like he was like Tom Brady taking over for uh, for Drew Bledsoe so many years ago. And then, of course, the Bears scored. I think the next twenty uh, some points ended up winning thirty three to fourteen. They didn't. The Patriots didn't score again after those two quick touchdowns. So maybe pump the brakes on the uh, the anointment of a of a new quarterback there it sounds like they haven't even decided who's going to play next week um spoiled for quite a while with hall of fame quarterback play by Tom Brady and now realizing how the other half lives i guess either Mac or Bailey will start next week That'll do it for me today. Good stuff coming up tomorrow. I'm going to talk to Chris Hine about these Timberwolves, get to the bottom of what is going on here. Also should have some gopher football talk with Randy Johnson coming up later this week as well. Have a great rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.